listening to the podcast edition of One Love, One Planet. listeners would love to know a little bit more about you too. So Becca, let's just start with you. Just tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Um, so I'm Becca. I um, have recently become an environmental campaigner in the last couple of years. Um, I grew up in the Wye Valley, so naturally rivers were always going to be a big part of my life. Um, and I moved to Bristol during COVID, so um, summer 2020. So haven't been here a long time, but haven't been very far away either. Um, and, but I've also lived abroad in France and Sweden, um, and the time I spent there has really um, inspired me as well and sort of given me different perspectives on life. Um, but yeah, when I moved to Bristol, one of the first things I did was try to find the outdoor swimming community. It wasn't hard to find. <laughs> Lots of people in Bristol love outdoor swimming and are very passionate about it. And I very quickly learned about um, the spot at Connem River Park or Eastwood Farm, depending on which side of the river you're on. Um, and I got to know some really great people there. Um, but uh, then I learned about the issue of sewage pollution, which we'll obviously go on to talk about. Um, but uh, myself, so I'm in my 30s, but I've um, just returned to education. I'm doing a master's in public policy um, because I realised I really wanted to work uh, in an, an area that I feel passionate about. So I really want to work in environmental policy. Um, Brilliant. One, yeah. Well, it's fantastic. We've got people <laughs> like you doing that kind of thing. Uh, fantastic. Okay, Eva, over to you. Yeah, hiya. So um, I kind of came at the whole thing from a slightly different angle to Becca. So I'm actually um, doing a PhD in water quality uh, in rivers at the moment. So I'm coming towards the end of my PhD now. Um, I've only got a few months left. <laughs> um, and I moved to Bristol about sort of seven or eight years ago. Like Becca, I'm a fellow Welsh person. Um, <laughs> so that, that always obviously contributed to being very interested in the outdoors and the environment. Um, so I, I moved here to study environmental science as an undergrad and then went straight on to do my PhD, which I'm coming to the end of now. Um, and yeah, I, I sort of, I found out about the campaign through social media originally. So I contacted Becca um, through the Instagram account and we sort of started talking and, um, you know, realised that the campaign would, would benefit from, um, you know, somebody who has like a background in science, I suppose. Yeah. So, so yeah, I sort of came from a, a very scientific background, but really uh, enjoying and loving being involved in campaigning and community action. Fantastic. Thank you. Okay, now we're going to, as well as setting the background for you, we need to set the background as well for, for Conham, for the yeah. Conham, for that area, mm -hmm. Conham River Park, mm -hmm. because possibly lots of people in Bristol won't necessarily know it. So could sure. you just tell us about that area? For people who's nev no, who've never been there, could you paint a picture of it for yeah, us? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so it's, um, I think, about three miles from the city centre, so not very far out. Um, but you'd think you're a lot further from the city centre because it's extremely green. There are so many trees. There's a nature reserve on both sides of the river. Um, so, yeah, very green, very beautiful. Um, and, uh, yeah, so it's about east, southeast of the, of the city centre, um, so towards upstream, obviously, of the harbour um, and on the way to Bath. And we need to clear up. It's not the River Conham. No. <laughs> no, it's the River yeah. Avon. Yes. yes, it's very confusing because, um, yeah, because it's um, a river park in Conham, which is a neighbourhood 
but the river in question is the River Avon. Right. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And I've read that. Uh, I mean, Becca, I know you said that the the river was, or that area rather, was a, a complete lifeline to you during the pandemic. Mm. So, what was it that you both used to do there that you loved so much? What was it like? Well, I started um, regularly swimming there. The first time I went swimming there was quite soon after I moved to Bristol, sort of September 2020. But I started regularly swimming there um, in November lockdown. Did yes. you? Yeah. So, How cold is it? Um, <laughs> quite chilly. But um, I that winter was the first winter that um, I swam all through winter, um, just in a swimming costume. Oh, I was going to um, say, do you wear a wetsuit? Yes. No, you don't. Well, oh, I'm so <laughs> The first time I, I, I tried was with a, a little shorty wetsuit, and then a friend of mine called me a wuss. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, it was, it was good for, for getting used to it. Um, but then over time, I, I sort of, you know, got, got more confident and um, started going in just in this swimming costume. And I did get some funny looks. Um, I, was, I used to go a little bit further upstream than the, the place that we're talking about. Um, and I do remember some dog walkers saying, like, what are you doing in there? <laughs> um, you know, it's November. It's pretty bleak. Um, but um, it's hard maybe to see from the from the sideline just how wonderful it feels that the cold water is so invigorating and you feel really euphoric afterwards when it's when it is that cold. Um, so I think a few of us in the swimming community are getting quite excited that it's autumn now because the temperature is going to be dropping. And, you know, and fewer yes. people, presumably. Yes. Yeah. Does it get crowded? Um, it it yeah, does in summer. Very in crowded. Summer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what, yeah. what about you, Eva? Were you are you a swimmer? Yeah, yeah, yeah I am. Um, I've sort of I swam outdoors my whole life. I grew up in um, North Wales near uh, Llanberis, so the Llanpadarn was my main kind of swimming spot. And um, and yeah, so Conham's kind of the closest thing to that that we can access in the city and it's such an incredible resource we're so so lucky to have it I think because I asked if you were a swimmer because I noticed I, I looked at one picture that has people paddle boarding there mm-hmm. has that presumably that's happened fairly recently and do they sort of get in the way of the swimming at all is no, there any kind of clash not no. at all no. <laughs> I think everybody's no. enjoying the yeah. the environment and just really happy to be there I think yeah. it's a really nice community it does it really feels like a sort of community feeling and the, the river is very wide there um so there's plenty of space for for lots of people i mean so we as as part of the application for bathing water status which we'll probably yeah. go on to talk about um one of the things we've done is um conduct sort of a bathing surveys where you go down and just count how many people are bathing to prove the popularity of the spot and last summer there was a day when over 50 people were swimming at the same time at the same spot so there's there's plenty of space and it didn't feel like you know you couldn't enter it was you know like lane swimming or something (laughs) there is a lot of room wonderful really inspiring okay so what led you to set up the campaign what is the problem so um like many people, perhaps, I never really knew about the issue of sewage pollution until about two years ago. Um, and I think public awareness of the issue has grown and grown ever since, um, particularly this summer. It's been in the news a lot. Um, but I almost felt naive for never knowing about it. Um, I grew up and people would always warn you about maybe not swimming after heavy rain. But I presume that was just due to faster currents and, you know, maybe slippier access. Um, but I never thought that it was because water companies would be discharging untreated sewage directly into the river. And learning that really horrified me um, because, like many other people, I I found 
so much joy from swimming in rivers and I always have and not just swimming I'm a keen canoeist as well um and I like kayaking and either you paddleboard and surf mm -hmm. and um and so many of us in the campaign group we enjoy rivers in many different ways and I just felt it was almost painful to learn that and also kind of powerless what can I do as an individual who just loves rivers what can I do about this because this is I learned just an industry norm it's just become normal practice mm -hmm. and business as usual and it's been allowed to happen for decades um, and I didn't know that <laughs> um, and so well I thought well is there anything that we we can do about this um, and then um, I learned about the group in Yorkshire uh, called the Ilkley Clean River Group, and they had just successfully applied for the first river bathing water in the UK. We didn't have any before 2020. Um, and the reason they did that is because anywhere with bathing water status, which is normally beaches, we've got sort of 600 beaches, I think, in right, the UK. Okay. Um, they are, so all of these bathing waters are tested by the Environment Agency for E. coli um, to make sure that they're safe for swimming. Um, and we, we'd never had any river bathing waters in the UK before the Ilkley Group um, got it in Yorkshire. Um, and and it's, it's just one of those things where I think perhaps as a nation we've thought beaches are the place where you go swimming, but rivers are not for swimming. Rivers are for boats or apparently for sewage, um, for transport, you know, for barges, but they're not for swimming. Um, and I think many of us now realise how wrong that is. Um, and, yes. and, and they deserve, well... I think we, we deserve as people to, to be able to swim in them um, and not be swimming in sewage. <laughs> but also the rivers deserve not to have sewage dumped in them. Yeah, absolutely. I, it is extraordinary that there is any... Uh, now, am I right in saying there's not just one river now, is there, yes. is there two rivers? Two, yeah, yeah. So the River Thames is the other one. Right. The whole... No, don't jump it in London. <laughs> the department, isn't it? As mm. soon as the river has bathing status, it will be more work because they will have to send people down to test the water. Yeah. Yeah. Eva, you're nodding. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. So um, currently it's technically down to the environment agency to go and regularly test the water um, but unfortunately that doesn't happen as regularly as it should in order for us to actually have a snapshot or, or even an overview of the health of the ecosystems so for example um, you know our site at Conham um, the last time it was tested for water quality was in 2019 and the time before that was in 2016. Yes. Yeah. So, and both times mm -hmm. it failed to meet good ecological status. Um, and, you know, this is just one example of a tapestry of rivers throughout the whole of the UK, which actually no, no rivers in the UK, um, uh, sorry, in England and Wales at least, meet um, good chemical and ecological status. And so... Um, we're we're kind of in dire straits with it and I think what we've realized is you know as Becca said it's not just about swimming it's it's so much more than that it's about looking after our ecosystems and actually you know from a political perspective we've realized that the best way to kind of push this agenda forward of, of protecting these environments is through you know bathing status because it's mm. not happening otherwise yes and it, it, i was thinking this because i was thinking you know bathing status and looking at what's happening in 
Pakistan. Mm, mm-hmm. Actually, this sounds fairly frivolous yeah, on the face yeah. of it, but in fact, it absolutely isn't yeah, because no. it is just as it, it's it's a very good way, I think, as well as of capturing people's sort of imaginations and understandings about what's happening because it is it should be such a simple, basic thing of being able to jump in a river and swim, mm-hmm. uh, and when you can't because stuff is just being pumped into it, um, it is yeah, it's fantastic that you're highlighting this. Um, how are you doing it? What? How is the campaign going? Um, so mixed at the moment. Um, right, we, we've okay. managed to achieve a lot, which is which is really um, I'm really really proud of us as a group. But um, uh, we do have a sticking point currently. So to apply for bathing water status, you, you apply to Defra, and you need to provide some evidence. So that includes the popularity of the site for bathing, mm-hmm. uh, which we did last summer. Yeah. Um, you need to do a public consultation. So we. Um, posted a public survey last summer and we had over 900 responses and for us it's a lot for for a survey that had I think 10 or 11 questions many of them narrative responses as well to have that many we were really blown away because people don't like to do surveys Um, I know I ignore a lot that I see online Um, so yeah we were really pleased with that and um, and we also have done some water sampling ourselves to sort of supplement the application. Um, you also need to give a, a, a brief overview of facilities of the site, but they themselves don't have, um, you know, criteria for facilities that you have to have. Um, after all, you know, many beaches don't really have anything. Um, so... So you need to submit all that. Um, there's an annual deadline in October. But the final piece of the puzzle that we need is that um, the application either has to be submitted by the landowner or you need to have landowner permission. Um, and that is Bristol City Council. So I went to them asking for permission and um, they refused to give it um, because of a bylaw um, for the harbour which prohibits swimming in the river. And they, um, in, if you read the bylaw that that um, was passed in two thousand and nine, um, they consider the harbour stretch of water to continue all the way up to Hannam Lock. So that includes our stretch at Conham, which is so different to the harbour. The harbour is full of boats and has really high stone walls in some places, and obviously, you know, a lot of obstacles. You'd have to be very careful about, you know, allowing swimming in certain parts of it and maybe cordon it off, but. This stretch is just like a wild river. Um, it's completely different. And it's got a nature reserve either side. Um, so to us, it's very strange that it's considered within the same bylaw. So because there is this bylaw, the council said that they couldn't be seen to promote um, prohibited activity. When really the, the point of getting bathing water status isn't to create a new swimming spot it's it's recognizing one already exists and these people are at risk um, because they don't know the level of pollution so what can happen can you can you repeal bylaws can you get rid of them yeah and, right, and I think okay. fairly easily <laughs> I don't, they're, so they they're could, not so yeah they could do it so why um, do you think they're not doing it I think they're concerned about liability. I think that's the I think that's the big part, which is which I think is a real shame because actually there's a lot more you could be doing for public safety 
if you remove the bylaw because you could have um, you know information boards how to swim safely improve public awareness could put life rings there could improve the access into the river there's sort of these kind of on one side the eastwood farm side these sort of makeshift steps um, with sort of breeze blocks just shoved into some mud (laughs) Um, but have clearly been there for years because people have used it and people you know it's, it's a great sort of launching site for canoes and stuff and people stop on their way down from bath um so it's really heavily used by the community but the council is kind of pretending it's not sort of got their head in the sand about mm. it i think yeah. okay um, now you did say there's a debate coming up yes Can you tell us about that because that's go- that's quite important for you isn't yes it? so when i was told by the council that they wouldn't support our application i immediately submitted a petition um which was initially declined by the council because they said they had already responded to this request, even though that was a personal email thread and not a, a public petition. Oh. So I pointed that out. And they said, oh, yes, sorry, made a mistake. <laughs> and they, and they, they allowed me to publish the petition um, on their website. Um, and you need, for a petition to be debated by the council, you need 3,500 signatures, and we got over 5,200 wow. in a month. Um, so there's clearly a lot of public support for this. Um, and so that means that the debate, um, so the petition will be debated at the next full council meeting, which is on Tuesday next, next, week, next week, the right. 13th of September yeah, okay. at 6pm. Mm-hmm. And yeah. do you have a sense of how it's going to go? Um, well, I mean, you know, we, we have tried speaking to a few councillors ahead of time, um, but I know that I, I think my understanding of it is that it's not really a a true debate that's yeah. happening in real time. It's sort of a, a, a sequence of speeches made by each party. So I'm, I'm really intrigued to see what arguments they will bring and whether we manage to get the bylaw overturned or not immediately. I think it's already a big positive that we'll have this discussion on public record and we'll get to hear each party's official stance on this. Yes, and then maybe I could get them into the studio, couple yes. of them into the studio, <laughs> because in the debate we will no doubt get the party lines. Absolutely, I suspect. I yeah. mean, not not every single individual. Obviously, they don't all agree, mm. and it's not a sort of one size fits all. But yes, perhaps yeah. we, it would be interesting. Mm. Yeah. I think having a platform to facilitate that mm. discourse in real time would be really yeah. beneficial. Yeah. I, w- I would yeah. really a- appreciate that. You know, we yeah. have to each give a sort of static speech, and we're submitting ours as a video because unfortunately i'm out of the country next week um but we've we've started filming a video that we'll submit as our presentation of the um of the issue if um, anyone's listening and they'd like to go i think they can go Can't yes you can just go oh yes please do yeah. yes it would be great to have as much sort of physical presence there as possible mm-hmm. to really you know um drill home just how much public support there is yeah i think you're yeah. right because you can just stand there and whoop you know <laughs> after your film, oh you yeah know, just to make well it we had clear. we had to talk about this yeah. Yeah. I had to talk about this last night that people might go dressed as poo emojis or okay. <laughs> we'll definitely design some kind of eco-like costume yeah. <laughs> Ooh, which really make really make it visual actually. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, but yeah I mean as, as I said earlier there's so there's two um two river bathing sites already I really think that there will be more mm-hmm. I because there's I think um Emma shared this around earlier someone else in our group I think there's about 17 known groups um exploring the possibility um also so Oxfordshire already has one river bathing water at Port Meadow, the River Thames, but South Oxfordshire Council are actually funding another bathing water bid. Um, really? So that's an example of a council yes. actually not just supporting but funding a bid. Um, and here, unfortunately, Bristol is is blocking it. 
Um, Maybe, but I suppose councils are very, very strapped for cash, aren't they? Mm. I think I, I suppose that's probably one of the reasons why. Yeah. Um, okay. So, well, I mean, yeah, we'll be really interested to see what happens next week. I genuinely might try and get down there. Oh, please do. That would be quite, quite interesting. <laughs> um, so, in the meantime. Um, what what else? Life will go on with the campaign. Mm-hmm. What and, and I understand that you are now monitoring the water quality yourself in the absence of DEFRA being able to do it. So, Eva, this is where yeah. you come in. How do you do this? I'm intrigued. How do you <laughs> monitor the water quality? Well, over the last two summers, we've been um, actually collaborating, sort of kind of ironically, I suppose, but I think it works really well. We've been collaborating with Wessex Water, who have been uh, funding our um sampling regime so we we sort of we go there uh once a week take a sample and we'll drive it to the um they have like an accredited water sampling laboratory kind of thing and they'll they'll send us a list of all of these parameters um that goes way above and beyond what we would be monitoring um if it was to be a designated bathing site um but it does include those parameters, which are um, specifically E. coli and enterococci. So they're uh, two types of pathogenic bacteria. So they're the types of bacteria that would make you ill if you were to ingest them. Mm-hmm. And they're generally associated with um, coming from things like untreated sewage. Um, so that's something that we've been doing for the last couple of years. Um, and we share that information uh, every time we, we kind of we get the results back. We, uh, that all goes through social media. Um, so someone's interested, has just learned about this place. Yeah, thinking, yeah, yeah. I want to go and swim there. Yeah. Where do they look? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, so check. we've got uh, social medias. Right. We're at Which Conan is, Bathing. Yeah. Right, or there's yeah, conanbathing.co.uk. Yeah. It's our exactly. website. Um, and um, yeah, so... So that's sort of been ongoing. And then uh, the last sort of month or so, um, as part of my PhD, I mentioned that I'm looking at water quality in rivers. And one of my focuses uh, is on developing new kind of sensing technologies. So things that can sense um, changes specifically in the bacterial activity of the river. Um, And so I've, as part of my PhD, I've deployed a sensor down near Conham. And that's giving us real-time data. So one of the really important things is that we're having not just a snapshot once a week uh, retrospectively of what the river looked like a few days ago or a week ago, but we're actually having, uh, you know, a real-time idea of how the river looks. And I like to kind of refer to it as a bit of a heartbeat. You know, you can you oh, can see this, mm-hmm. you, you know, you look at the I data and you can see it changes from day to <laughs> yeah. night, it changes from, like, week to week. And it's really amazing because you get an idea of what this baseline you know, activity looks like inside mm-hmm. the river. There's so much going on under the water. And, you know, whether that's, you know, uh, it changes from day to night because the light changes. And so that changes the photosynthetic activity of the algae and the, um, you know, the activity of the bacteria. Um, the tide comes in and out. And you can see all of these lovely ebbs and flows. And it gives you a really lovely picture of, of what it looks like. And oh, it sounds wonderful. God, your yeah. PhD sounds amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's really, really nice to, to see. And, our, our view is that we can publish this information in real time on mm. our website and so people can log on and look and, and sort of check on the river and, and see how it's doing, yeah. which I think would be a really just, great thing. What you've just made me think of is NASA published some data on the carbon dioxide cycle of the Earth. I don't know mm-hmm. whether you've ever seen Absolutely. it. Absolutely, yeah. Oh, it's, it's very similar it's to beautiful. that. It's yeah, like yeah. watching the Earth breathe. That's, a, is, yeah. that's it's exactly abs- it. It what is we're, fantastic. Absolutely, and that's kind of what we're looking at. It, we're looking at the you know the river breathing in a way. Oh. It's um, you know So we look at um, parameters like dissolved oxygen 
concentration mm -hmm. in the river. Um, and that all comes from, you know, this, this really fine balance between the photosynthetic activity of the algae and the plants producing oxygen and then the, uh, you know, the respiration activity of the bacteria, which are producing carbon dioxide and, and using that oxygen. And so, you know, there's a really, really fine balance. And uh, what we're hoping to find with the sensor is we're, we want to be able to pick up any changes in this balance and in this kind of heartbeat um, and the breathing, you know, which might happen as a result of the input of pollution from humans. So things like sewage. And, and also, presumably, you, you could get a picture from say, the river in Ilkley, to give you a picture of a, a healthy river and then have a look at and contrast in one that's known to be mm, absolutely. You know, very polluted, which yeah. could give you a really good... Uh, the, the difference between the two. Absolutely, and that's kind of, you know, the dream, really, and, and what we sh should in my view, as, you know, not only local councils, but as a, as an internet, as a national government, we should be funding uh, a network of, mm -hmm. of real-time water quality monitoring sites on rivers all across the country. You know, that's good rivers, bad rivers, medium rivers, you know, everything that we will have a view then of, of what all of our rivers look like in the UK. And, and we can kind of bring all of that data together. And that would be so much more useful than going out once every three years and taking yeah. a sample, driving it to a lab, yeah. and then, you know, a few weeks later seeing what it Absolutely. looked like you know Absolutely. And, yeah. there's a sorry just reminded me of something else there's another a fantastic app um i need to check the name i think it might be called earth now and again it's nasa data and it's vital signs mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and of course that's what you're looking at as well mm -hmm. as the heartbeat it's also the vital signs yeah absolutely and okay so this leads me very <laughs> very nicely on to the the sort of final bit of this conversation i think when you talk about the heartbeat it's beautiful because we, you know, the, the rivers, they are like these sort of living entities. And the sort of final element of this that I really wanted, I was really interested in, and I think, I think our listeners will be as well. Um, Becca, I read, in fact, this is what first prompted me to get in touch with you, was an mm. article I read in The Cable um, where you are talking about the rights of the river. Could you tell us a little bit about this, please? Yeah, sure. Um, so it's, it's something that I've been um, thinking about for a while and, again, doing my own research looking into, um, just based on my, my first reaction to hearing about sewage pollution and, um, and, and, and other forms of pollution um, affecting our rivers. And, um, and my initial reaction was, who has the right to do that? Um, rather than who has the right to take away my swimming ability. That is also a part of it. But, you know, and, and as I said, I, I wanted to find a way to do something about it, um, feeling quite powerless as an individual. And I, I found the group who uh, in Ilkley who applied for bathing water status. Um, again, that their section of river is unfortunately very polluted, and, and that was all they could think of to, to try and improve the situation. Um, and unfortunately, in our legal system, the only way you can do that is by highlighting the risk to humans. Mm. Um, and, and it's very sort of anthropocentric, yeah, our, 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 our legal system, and there is nothing can we, really. Sorry, can we just explain that word, anthropocentric? Because <laughs> if you don't know it, it's sort of everything is defined by human terms, yeah. isn't it? Is yes, right? yeah. Right. And, yeah, you know, sort of centering us, basically, yes. and, and yeah. rather than sort of prioritising the, the rights and the health of the river. Um, and so um, 
So I, I just did some of my own research and I've, I've been in, in contact with a few groups, both in the UK and abroad, who are also seeking either legal personhood for rivers or, or nature in general. I mean, I, I think this could also be extended to forests. Um, and, uh, and, and there are certainly international examples, but none yet in the UK. I was going to say, there is a, there's a river in New Zealand, isn't it? Yes. That, I, oh, I can never pronounce it. <laughs> I did write the name. Oh, my gosh, this is bad. I need to find it out. Yeah, yeah there is a yeah. that has personhood yes. status. And I would imagine that most indigenous tribes... Yeah, I am sure that this is very much part of their culture. Absolutely, the, yeah. the rivers, the trees—they yeah. are all held as sort of sacred beings, aren't yeah. they? Um, that will—I mean, because I, I remember seeing uh, a documentary about an area of the Grand Canyon mm. that people had applied to develop and put a kind of resort there, oh, and it was slapped bang in the middle of a tribe's lands yeah. and absolutely sacred to them yeah. and heartbreaking um, because it looked like it was probably going to go ahead so I would imagine that is part and parcel of it, it, the idea that you would that a river wouldn't have rights in a way mm. would be unthinkable to yeah them. absolutely um, and yeah. actually sorry reminded me of something else which a friend was talking about um, a neighbor who knocked down a very old and beautiful tree in his front garden. Mm. And she was really, really upset because she's just loved this thing for decades. And somebody commented and said, quite rightly, he actually just shouldn't have the right to do that. No, absolutely Yes, he owns not. the house, but yeah. he doesn't, shouldn't own that tree. No. Those trees should be, you know, kept yeah. up for us. And, and the same with rivers. And you have no idea yeah. how much of the surrounding area is depending on that tree. For, for, right. for nutrients and for information. So exactly. it's, it's, they're not unitary, you know, and then I think like trees yeah. are often considered that way. We've chopped one down, so we'll just plant another one here, but that's not. <laughs> Absolutely. And doing this show has made me realize just how incredibly important ecologists are. Mm, ecologists absolutely. should be part of every single conversation <laughs> everywhere. It, they should be in business. They should yeah. just be, yeah. they should be in the House of Commons, wherever you've got, you know, committees making decisions. Mm -hmm. I think that interconnectedness of nature yeah, is absolutely. so important. You know, we have mm. campaigns like Surfers Against Sewage, for example, who, you know, they're starting to really focus on river pollution now because we're understanding that, you know, where do we think rivers go at the end of the day? It's all yeah. part of this interconnected yeah. web of, you know, life, really. Yeah. Um, Which and we are part of. Yeah, it, absolutely. Yes. Yes, and I, I think so. the really sad thing is that effective ecology is seen as detrimental to economic growth, and that's that is sort of the biggest yeah. problem, and that is why you're not seeing enough ambitious policy. Is we can't get away from that no. idea yeah. of economic growth quickly enough, I don't think. And GDP, no. we need a, the sort of you know not the happiness index. I don't think that's the right name for it, but we do need mm. a very very different index mm -hmm. for measuring the health of our. Yeah. But you're you're right that well-being is a big part of it. Mm. I mean, so many of the responses to our survey was about mental health and well-being, and if the river was you know, ecologically dead and permanently, you know, too polluted to swim in or long-term too polluted to swim in, so many people would find that detrimental to their, their mental health, yeah. Um, yeah, me included. Yeah. <laughs> um, I do, but we, we haven't got too much more time. I just want to say, if anyone wants to, to sort of join up to help, presumably they should just go onto the site. What kind of help would you need? Oh, yes. So, first of all... Um, if you could write to your local councillor ahead of the debate, 
Um, you can find out who they are if you don't know who they are by going on the Bristol City Council website. Sorry, you do have to be resident in Bristol, <laughs> um, but um, um, which not all of your listeners are. But um, uh, although I, I don't know if you have to be just to write a letter. No, I think everyone just write a letter. <laughs> um, but the petition, you had to be a Bristol resident. But um, no, so so really and and. And maybe pers- we've we've put a template up on our website, so you can use that if if you're not quite sure how to how to word it. Um, and it includes some of the the data that we've been talking about um, about the issue as well, about sewage pollution, um, and about the council's own ecological emergency strategy, which we're trying to help them with, <laughs> but um, which which says that they want 100% excellent waterway quality by um, by, by 2030 oh well that's interesting yes. isn't it yeah. that's the that's the accountability bit that's exactly specifically really to be enabled important. by community action groups. yes yes they said that as part familiar. of their plan they will support citizen <laughs> okay. action okay. and and here we are yeah. <laughs> well, ready to act very much. so that's another question for me to put to yes. people when i get them into the studio. yes so yes so please please um, yeah do look up on our website so conanbathing.co.uk there's a tab that says petition and debate and there's a template so you can just copy paste the letter um, there's a link to find your councillor, your local councillor, and then maybe include a little sentence um, if, if the river particularly means something special to you and, you know, personalise it. OK, yeah. fantastic. Thank you so much, both of you, for coming on and well Thank done you. for all the Thank work you. you're doing. Hello, this is Eco Living Tip Week 3. These tips are a little bubble of positivity and possibility to make us all feel a little bit more in control of things. So this week is about plastic waste. Now you probably know that most major supermarkets now accept soft plastic packaging, which they claim to recycle. Do they genuinely recycle it? Who knows? But what I like about this is that it makes it their problem. The only way to get supermarkets to use their market power to reduce plastic packaging is to make them confront the scale of the problem. Now, I feel really uncomfortably responsible for every bit of plastic I buy, so I try to avoid it as much as possible. But even so, my household creates a horrifying amount. When I've got um, a great big bag full, after normally a couple of months, I take all the clean, washed and dried plastic and I take it to my local co-op and they've got a... um, Uh, collection point just inside the front door. Recycling, as we probably all know, is of questionable value. Um, The big plastic count run by Greenpeace in May found that only 12% of plastic recycling is actually recycled. But nevertheless, I recycle everything that I possibly can. Um, My food scraps go into my wormery. um, And since doing this with my plastic, there's virtually nothing left in my regular bin. We probably generate a small paper bag of rubbish every couple of weeks and everything else I'm happy to consider the supermarket's problem.